0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. Contract talks dominate today's show, but we're also going to chat about a new potential and frankly bizarre venue for the Merseyside derby. And to help you do that, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the Liverpool Echo Sports Audience Editor, Sean Bradbury. Sean, good morning, mate.
0: Morning, pal. How's Tricky? You
1: OK? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Just a week to go now, isn't it, until the uh, Premier League returns? Indeed, yeah. It's
0: been, uh, been tricky, hasn't it, for, for everyone, football fans and, well, just the wider world during lockdown. But, yeah, but, like the end of the tunnel, I think now, certainly in terms of football coming back. And at the very least, it's going to be a welcome distraction, but also, hopefully, a title to be wrapped up for the Reds.
1: Most definitely. It does feel like uh, clubs are getting their business in order before it all starts again. I know. On yesterday's show with with Matt Addison, we we teed up the fact that Adam Lalana was going to sign a, a short-term contract until the end of the season. And that did come to pass yesterday. But we'll just start with uh, a couple of other players, if that's all right. Because late yesterday afternoon, two of our former LFC reporters, James Pearce and Dominic King, both tweeted that Harvey Elliott will, will sign his first professional contract with the club I think it's at the start of July. Having now turned seventeen, and funnily enough, that's how we've been reporting it all along. Reporting it along all the way, isn't it, Sean? But those kind of tweets prompted uh, Ian Doyle, our chief LFC writer, to write something new on the subject. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Doyle's had a little look, and yeah, it does seem that Elliot next month is,
0: is poised to sign his, his first professional deal, and it'll be. According to Doyle's report, it'll be a three-year deal, which is the maximum you can commit to at this time. Or I think it might be kind of a phased deal where you have a have a year and then there's the option to extend it for two. But well, that kind of span of contract is is the maximum you can do with a player of his age. And yeah, yeah. I mean it, it's no surprise. I think the way that play, uh, staff at the club talk about him, everything that fans have seen so far, the way he's slotted in in, in those kind of short. Bests of which we've seen him. It's no surprise that Liverpool are going to try at this stage to do all they can to, to tie him down for as long as possible because he's just you know you don't want to don't want to go too big at this stage with a, with, a, with a youngster who's still got lots to develop. But I think all the experience he's, he's had stands him in good stead. The exposure we had a Fulham Premier League experience, which you know obviously he had even before he came to Liverpool. Uh, the fact that he is, he is still only a kid and, and you know there's much more growing to do, never mind, you know, actual football development and, and training than on the pitch, but, well, yeah, I, I thought it was quite instructive, in, in Doyle's piece he referred back to this, when, when Pep Linders interviewed him recently for the club website, um, I mean, he's, a, he's obviously a very positive fella, there, Linders, and, you know, knows his football well, but, but he, he called Elliot the little diamond of our team when, when he conducted this interview, and, you know, that's, I know it, it might be a kind of slightly throwaway line within the context, but it, it does speak to I think how how highly valued he is and how highly rated a prospect he is for the future, um, and, and just, just, you can't help but think there's plenty of excitement to come. I think the thing with Elliot this season, when we've seen him, he's played in younger teams, mixed teams, perhaps ones with a couple of first team stars. He's obviously had flashes in the cup competitions, I think against Arsenal, Villa. I think MK Bonds especially, he was he was he was good, and then one very very brief run out against Sheffield United in the Premier League itself. So, I think. It's difficult now for Klopp, really, for the, for, for the rest of this campaign, especially with the, the transfer situation. You're going to have to rely on your fringe players perhaps beyond this season. I mean, it does look like this is going to be a difficult window for Liverpool and virtually every single club um, in, in the world. It, it's a bit of a balance between you, you go all out. Obviously, you want to get this title one, which we all hope will happen relatively quickly. But then in the games beyond that, is it a case of doing the maximum you can to get as many points as possible, You know, break the points record, become centurions as well as champions, which I'm sure everyone at the club wants to do. But then I think there's, there's the argument around exposure of the younger players, especially if they are going to have to be utilised more in the season and, and times to come. So I think we'd, we'd love to see a little bit more of Elliot. And, and the interesting thing for me is, you know, he's, 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 as we say, he's played well and, and shown glimpses of, of absolute talent in these mixed teams. If you slot him in with, say, nine or ten first-team players around him, I just I just cannot wait to see that, and I think the situation will allow for it. I think ideally, really, if, if you're talking about whether you expose younger players or you, or you go all out for every single point possible, because of some of the changes that are coming in, um, especially the, the extra substitutions that are going to be allowed, you can almost perhaps try and do both. So, so yeah, I, I think by the end of this campaign, I'd love to see Elliot get not necessarily a start unless things are, are totally and utterly wrapped up, and you're, you're looking at maybe one of the one of the home games towards the very end of the season, but. You know, a good half hour, maybe even, maybe even a whole half as part of a of a whole first piece. I think that'd be really interesting. And yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get to see that. But whatever happens in the next nine games, I think this commitment from Liverpool shows uh, that Elliot finished for the long run.
1: Most definitely, mate. Yeah, I think any appearances that he makes between now and the end of the season won't be to- token gestures. But I wonder if there could be a chance of a bit of a token gesture regarding our next story, because as you say, Harvey it looks like he's going to put pen to paper next month. We've, we've mentioned the fact that Adam Lana will definitely be staying till the end of the, the current campaign. And the story that may have gone a bit unnoticed yesterday because it came later uh, late in the evening, but it was another member of Jürgen Klopp's squad has, has put, you know, uh, pen fresh terms till till the end of the campaign as well and that's the goalkeeper Andy Lonergan I just wonder do you think he might actually get a chance of appearance maybe on that last game against Newcastle given the fact that the report that Ian Doyle's wrote here like John Axberg, speaks so highly of him you never know do you again I
0: suppose those those substitutions stand them in good stead. You know, that now that, that uh, extra can be made, thing, it's absolutely possible because that's the thing, he hasn't actually made a competitive appearance for the Reds, I don't think. I was speaking to Theo, who's our, our resident Lonergan expert, um, <laughs> uh, just going back to his, to his Bolton days, and he was saying his last competitive match was rochdale basis scunthorpe in March <laughs> 2019. So it, it's been a while, but but yeah, it, just to, to touch on Lonergan and milano as well, Obviously, yeah, both contracts were due to, to run out at the end of this month, uh, thirtieth to June, and they've been extended until the end of the season, whenever that is. And it's absolutely the right thing to do. I mean, sure, similar confirmation earlier this week of, of Harry Wilson's loan at Bournemouth being extended until football finishes. We're expecting similar with Rhea Brewster at Swansea. I think everyone, everyone who was you know around at the start of the season, they, they should be finishing the season, and, and that's exactly what um, John Atterbecks said. As you mentioned, these, these comments were, were just very nice. He said. You start the season with all the players. You want to finish the season with all the players. He's been one of us, so he should be here too. And yeah, just 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 a, a, an excellent sentiment that. And obviously, he came in um, in the summer when it did look like to be a kind of minor crisis in terms of the goalkeeping area with with, with problems around um, the you know, the first choice fellas. But I, I think even though he hasn't played a competitive game, and and you know, Achterberg again was saying he's, he's really well liked, and that that comes as no surprise. But I think just having that wiser. Older, more experienced heads, new youngsters to, to learn from. Achterberg mentioned, you know, Kelleher and and Lonigan's role in terms of you know kind of looking after him and showing him the ropes of the game. But I always think, you know, it, it, it is a squad game, even if it's not on the pitch. The, these extra players on the fringes and the, you know the, the backup guys—they're invaluable in training, and, that, and that, that's hugely important. isn't it? I mean, that's where where the plans are put in place, where the sharpness is honed, and arguably, I suppose, where the where the games are won. So even though we haven't seen Lonigan, and, and like you say, hopefully we do. You know, even if it's just a a little cameo appearance uh, if, if situation allows for it. There's no doubt he's played a, a hugely valuable role. And then, just briefly moving on to Lallana, because th- he's someone who can absolutely be no doubt of, of what a role he's played in, in his six years at Liverpool. Yeah, so this was confirmed yesterday as well. And Clock and himself made a few comments about this. And, and his first one, he says, I know how highly sought after Lallana is at the moment by other clubs who want him for the next season. So for him, this is a commitment to us and we're very appreciative for it, and then he went on to say, and, and even for Klopp, this, this struck me as being, you know, particularly fulsome, craven, but obviously well deserved. He said, "It's not possible for me to find words in the English language to properly explain the importance of Lallana while he's been here during the Klopp era." I think when you when you look back at it, that's, that you know you, you cannot doubt that that's true because in the, in the, the initial couple of seasons after you know Klopp's um, his first kind of like two thirds season, if you like. I think the one after that, three, sixteen, seventeen. Alana played, you know, more than thirty games. Got eight goals in the Premier League. Uh, even in that initial season, he was a big presence on the way to the Europa League final. Um, and that that kind of heavy metal football uh, that we saw at the start of of, of Copra Anfield. I think Alana at times was almost single handed in the press, and he was a bit of a rock star in that in that type of a, um you know way of playing. And then I think it's just it, it, because of Liverpool's development in recent years, it's. Not that the game has outstripped certain players in the squad, but there's such such kind of niche and, and finally home duties that are needed in, in different parts of the team, especially in that front three, where you, know, you need that that pace that, that Salah and Mane have to, to be one of the players on the flank. So you need everything that Firmino has to really be be the man in the middle, uh, and that's made it a little bit more difficult for Lallana. Obviously, in the midfield, the, the whole kind of setup has evolved there to so have these three kind of enabling, grasping players with with the playmaking coming from the fullbacks really. Um, so I guess you know the, the more tricky ball carrying, ball playing kind of number ten type like Milano or even even Coutinho. Know, um, it, it, it's difficult at times to see how they fit in, but obviously to his credit, he's, he's adapted. He's played that number six role at times. He's been unlucky with injuries as well. No doubt we would have seen a little bit more of them in those middle seasons had that not happened. But but yeah, it's it, it's gone full circle with Rolano and Klopp, and there's not many who were here. Before Klopp, now really, I suppose rather Lovel, maybe a couple of others, but Milan is one of them, and and a bit like in the same as You always hear great things about him his approach to training, how he helps out youngsters in the squad. So, uh, I'd, I'd love nothing more than a few more Cruyff turns and hopefully a goal or two <laughs> in between now and the end of the season for us. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Very well said, and uh, I think you would see it up perfectly for this for our next story. We're talking about how the the teams evolved and the midfields evolved, and obviously. Probably, perhaps an, an unsung hero in, in in many ways. Liverpool fans know how good this player is, Genie Rinaldin, uh, and you know he is of all the players in the squad. I know there was talk after. Timo Bernard, you know, I said signed for Chelsea. It seems like he's signed for Chelsea in all but name. That maybe there's a suggestion that Liverpool will invest in the squad instead with new longer term contracts. I know Virgil van Dijk was mentioned, Alison Becker was mentioned, but Sean probably at the top of the list is is Genie Wenaldum, given the fact that he's only got a year left of his, his current deal. And I know we followed this story throughout, but there was an update yesterday from uh, Fabrizio Romano in The Guardian about about his his contract. So what's he been saying?
0: Yeah, positive signs. So he was saying that Reds are hopeful of an extension uh, that could be as much as three years. And, and like I say, Wijnaldum's current deal runs out this time next year. Uh, so he's 29 now, and, and hopefully this extension, if it, if it gets passed out, will take him into his 30s with the club. Um, this Guardian report said, he said that them is seeking assurances he'll still be a key player in the squad. But like you said, I think every Liverpool fan and everyone in the club will be really hoping this can get sorted because there's absolutely no doubt how integrity he is to this team. It He's a fascinating player, I have to say one out of them, because it is sometimes hard to pinpoint exactly what he brings to the team, almost even when you're watching it, because he, as a midfielder, he kind of defies the usual end product tallies for people in this position, you know, not necessarily, certainly how he plays in Liverpool now, he's not necessarily a, an assist maker or a, a goal scorer, not even necessarily a, a tough tackler in midfield, but never loses the ball, very, very rarely seems to. He can zip it around and relieve it pretty much wherever he is, on the park, he, He's strong. He's he's a presence all across the pitch in in every single game. I I always think back to um, the, the old Liverpool of We all dream of a team of I Absolutely <laughs> love Jamie Carragher. One of my favourite players ever. But if you're actually to have uh, eleven Carragher's all, all through the pitch, I'm not quite sure what that team would look like. But of, of every player currently on the books, you know, you can maybe make an argument for Trent or Firmino or someone. But I think Genie would be would be that man in, in that hypothetical situation because he's obviously before he came to Liverpool, he. Played that more attacking role in midfield, and then while he's been here, uh, struggling to think of a position on the pitch apart from keeper that, that he hasn't played, he's been up front. And uh, against he Barcelona. He's been at the back, played as a centre half, obviously everywhere in the midfield, probably a full back at some stage that I've forgotten. But but he's he's a man that can do it all. My my slight thing uh, of of his situation, as I say, really hope that the contract gets nailed down. I would imagine it will do. You know, hopefully, the, 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 surely there can be no doubt in what's being said to him from the club how important he is as a player but I wonder if he, he craves a little bit of a return to being one of the attacking leading likes mm-hmm. in, a, in a football team it's it's a strange one with him probably probably more so than any player I can I can think of his, his club role and his country role are, are different like when he gets those international breaks last, last season it was, it was crazy really he, he went and he played virtually every game in every international break and then he seemed to be scoring in, in virtually every game you know he had that role where he's, he plays a bit more further forward for Holland and yeah, you know, every couple of months to get that little taste of, of of being a bit more of a you know attacking threat and getting your name on the score sheet. I do wonder whether he's thinking, well, if I if I did move on somewhere else, would that be my role? And would, is that just a bit different for years of kind of uh, sacrifice? I think it's probably a slightly too strong a word for what he's done at Liverpool, but you know, there is a sense in which he's put personal ambitions of of, of getting on the score sheet and that type of thing at, at bay a little bit. And he's been such a great team player and we hope he continues to do So, yeah, I think that's, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's going through his head, but you'd imagine that a deal can be done. And, you know, the fact that he's the fact that he is so key to this team, he's, he's winning here, he's winning trophies here, he has the chance and ability to to certainly win more. You'd hope that would be the clincher in the end uh, when these talks get, get done.
1: Just to our last story, we know that Liverpool's first game back will be against Merseyside rivals Everton on Sunday, June the 21st, but we still don't know for sure whether the game will be staged at Goodison Park or a neutral venue. If it was a neutral venue, I think most of us were probably expecting it might be at somewhere like the Etihad, for example. But, you know, there's a report written in the uh, the Athletic, written by Simon Hughes, who, who we've had on our podcast in the past, uh, which we've picked up now on the Dillard websites, Echo's website, suggesting that the game, if it is at a neutral venue, could take place a lot further away than Manchester in the Etihad.
0: Yeah, a bit of a mad on this, but suggesting it could be it could be St Mary's down in Southampton. We'll, we'll get the obvious joke out the way first. That that will be like a home game bar for half of the Liverpool squad if, if that did happen. Uh, see Claren get getting run out in this one. But no, to, to be serious, this, this the whole neutral venues thing, I, I do find a bit baffling. I do understand why there's been a debate around it, and I think the people' responsibility for for safety in these situations, they do have decisions to make. So I can understand why they've they've talked about it, but. As this piece uh, from Sam Hughes gets into the the thing that kind of I found a bit puzzling is is the justifications for it seems to have been a little bit fluid. Like you know, is it a public order thing or is it a public health thing? I mean I certainly would have no concerns on on the public order side of things around games being played anywhere. I mean, you know, pe- people people know the score and uh, I just, that that isn't an issue. I would say in terms of fans, but then. I can understand like some caution around public health. If you're, if you're responsible for for that in in the current times, with with you know coronavirus still rife, um, you know across across the world. Even though things perhaps are getting a little bit better, and you know the suggestions obviously that we are beyond this, this this first peak and what have you. But yeah, you know people are responsible for it, and you know even even a small gathering, even even something that someone has to be accountable for could happen. And you know if there was if there were no provisions put in place whatsoever, and things did happen, uh, and then you know. There were there were kind of health issues, then that that would be an issue. So yeah, today there's a suggestion that this local safety advisory group will meet, um, and and this is you know comprised of local bodies, and we believe this it was meant to happen on Monday, and then there were suggestions that it was going to be pushed back to the end of the week, and now we think it's happened this morning, and that they'll have discussions around whether a, a safety certificate should be issued for Goodison to to host this match next Sunday. Uh, and you know that, that's comprised of like council, police, all the local kind of services and bodies, and it, it does seem like they were edging towards the decision to, to let Gluterson host the match, and uh, everything looked looked to, to kind of be on the cards. But Joe Anderson stance, uh, although you know, wouldn't necessarily just be entirely his decision. Um, he, he outlined his concerns a few weeks back in an interview to the BBC, which I think everyone saw, and lots of fans rightly had some concerns about the, the assumptions that were made. Really, as part of that, but. He's now back at it and saying, you know, it, if, it's, if it can be done safely, it, it perhaps should be done. Um, but then, yeah, just to come to like the, the way this athletic piece finishes, it's it talks about uh, the, the, the R rates in terms of um, coronavirus re- reproduction and um, that having crept up again in the Northwest, which has kind of been a particularly badly affected outlier almost, uh, in, if you look at the national picture. Um, and it says, you know, there's a small chance the authorities could delay any decision until next week when. Consequences from results would become clearer, which would make sense, I suppose, if, if Liverpool can win the title there and that becomes a factor as well. But, but yeah, it does sound like the, the public health argument is potentially what, what has been settled on almost as a, as a justification for why why things might have to change and why there might have to be a different venue. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, you hope that that, that R8. You know, starts to creep back down, and things, things are, things are okay on that score. And then, you know, everything just puts towards the game being, being held at Goodison again. Um, and, you know, that, that, that hopefully is, is what happens. But I suppose, as, as much as the team, this whole St Mary's plan, they, they've got to have contingency plans, haven't they? If, if, it, if it really does seem like a safety certificate can't be issued and this can't be played at Goodison, but, but yeah, the whole idea of, of, of the squads getting on a plane all the way down there to go and play a derby does seem very, very bizarre, has to be said.
1: It does indeed. Keep an eye on the Echo website throughout the day for any updates from that meeting. We'll, we'll find out soon enough if it's going to take place at Goodison or at St Mary's. Thanks very much, Sean. That's all your headlines for today. We'll be back tomorrow with the final morning bulletin podcast of the week. But later this afternoon, you will be able to catch up with the latest Analyse Anfield podcast. Until then, bye for now.
0: You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.